this is Aaron. I hope you enjoy the upcoming episode, Tired Hands with John Edwards. During the episode, we talk a lot about the Mash of Wonder homebrew competition. But our pre-listener, Adam, let us know we probably didn't talk enough about the rules. Luckily, The Sparge, our mini in-between episode, which released last week, was recorded after this episode. So we made that the topic of that episode. So if you haven't already listened to it, go back, download it, and listening to that episode of The Sparge will help you understand a little more about what we're talking about at points today on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to Plato's Gravity, a homebrew podcast. This is Aaron. And I showed up late. Very late. We are... What, what time is it, Jason? <laughs> it's much later than I had intended to show up. Yeah. You still uh, didn't say your name, so... Uh, you did, so ah, it's fine. Jason. On this episode, we're going to welcome John Edwards from the Circle City Zymergy Homebrew Club right here in Indianapolis. We're excited to have John live in our studio. John has been brewing for seven years and is an award-winning brewer, most recently taking home the gold at the Indiana Brewers' Cup with his blueberry American wheat. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Hello! So, we always start... Yes, Mrs. Doubtfire is also in the set. We always start our show with a beer chosen for our guest. Uh, This time, since he's in studio, John actually brought us uh, our first sticker can. John, what did you bring for the show? Well, I brought a Tired Hands Brewing Co. Uh, it's called Hop Hands. It's like their staple American Pale Ale. It's pretty hazy. It's got a nice bitterness to it. Brewed with tons of oats. And, uh, yeah, it's real easy to drink. Yeah, I feel like we, we're splitting a can here, but I could have several of these oh, cans. Yeah. It's really good. I debate on how many to bring. I just brought one. Sorry. If I were you, I would have only brought one. I don't have two. too many. <laughs> There's lots of other beer in the fridge. <laughs> it's a... Uh, 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 I struggle with words sometimes. It's you said earlier that it wasn't that juicy, and I kind of I I get that. Like, there's not a whole lot of like residual sweetness in there. Yeah, it's pretty dry. I think it finishes at like 108. Yeah. Or so. Um, but it definitely tastes of like the peel of a citrus fruit, and maybe a little bit of the pith. It's a yeah. little pithy. Mm-hmm. We're all. I'm a little pithy when I wake up. Oh, yeah. is that good? Is that a good Pith- thing? Pithy. I mean, I, Pithy I, just sounds I, like like I feel like for for me, a lot of that. The, the, it's where all the nutrients are. Oh. So. so I guess it's good to wake up pithy. Right. Wake right. up the nutritious. Breakfast of champions. <laughs> I feel like the hazy beers all have like a very similar flavor that I can't ever really put my, my finger on. And I think yeah. Jason just nailed it. Yeah. P- pithy? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, with pithy. Pithy. And I think, I, I don't know, like some people, I know people that avoid citrus fruit because they don't like the pith. And I think they can, uh, that, that pitheth me off. <laughs> That's. <laughs> <laughs> you so, are welcome. So th- this beer uh, is uh, one of the beers that sort of has been a part of this beer culture where beers have trade value and you can get beers from other places that are hard to get in your location. So, oh, yeah. Uh, and you engage in a little bit of beer trading yourself. So how'd you get into that? Well, I actually, uh, I met a guy on Craigslist to buy, uh, some keg equipment off of about a year and a half ago. Hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> I opened up his regular fridge. Well, he did. So he was telling me about this, uh, this brewery 450 North here in Indianapolis area. And, uh, he opened it up and he's got like Treehouse and Trillium and all these like highly collectible beers. I'm like, dude let me have one of those beers. He's like, oh, I can, it's for my buddy or something like that. And I was like, how do you even get that? And he tells me about this online beer community, craft brew junkies, which is a pretty great little club. Okay. And, uh, with like 
few thousand members. I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty good size. And I just met people through it from meeting them in person or just online. And I've, I've traded for tired hands a few times and I've traded for treehouse, Trillium, Alchemist, and some pretty highly sought after beers up in the Northeast. So you have tried some, some beers that people stand a significant amount of time in line for. Are you a line? Have you stood in lines or do you work around that? So the first time I ever tried any Tired Hands, I was actually up for work for training up in Pennsylvania, and that's okay. where uh, Tired Hands is from. Sure. And uh, it was about an hour drive, and uh, I knew that they're releasing some cans on a Wednesday, and I so I drive down there after I get done with my training about 5 o'clock, and uh, I try and find a parking spot, and it's totally slam-packed, and I see this line that goes to you know a block down the road, and I'm like, all right, well, I guess that's not too crazy of a line to stand in. So I drive to the end of the road, and then I didn't realize that it continued the line for about <laughs> 700 more people. Oh, wow. And it was like, I'm not kidding, man. It was like a eight or 900-person line. <laughs> and I finally get in the back of the line. I'm like, dude, is there even going to be anything left? And they're like, oh, this is a small line. I'm like, are you kidding me? You guys oh, wow. do this every Wednesday? You guys are nuts. <laughs> like, so, yeah. yeah. We're I, to the I've mile of the brewery. We, we're definitely going to get some yeah. beer today. I've, I've done it, and I, I got some pretty awesome beers from them then. This beer called Only Void, and it's a fantastic stout. So are, are they selling like four packs or how, is there a yeah. maximum? So usually they do allotments and it just depends. They could usually do four, two, four, four packs or two, four packs, depending on what it is. But like, uh, I did pick up this one, which there was an allotment for, but now they have that one pretty much on the shelf for them all the time. Okay. This, this tired, uh, bare hands, like tired hands. Sorry. The tired hands. The is their, hands. It's their, uh, their house yeah. hazy beer. Mm hmm. So if you if you go and get your allotment of four or eight beer how how beers how many of those are you uh, drinking yourself and how many of those are you using to get stuff that's not at a brewery that you're close to? Uh, it depends on how much you like it. <laughs> so like uh, I was talking to some guys in line, they're like, I don't even care if it tastes good because if it's not good, then I'm going to trade it off anyways for something else. And I was like, man, I don't even know what you're talking about trading beers before I even got involved in trading. Mm-hmm. So if I got bare hands, I would probably keep all of it and maybe give a couple you know, to share some with friends of mine here in town. Sure. Yeah. Do you, do you mostly share the beer inside of the homebrew club or do you have other folks in, a, in like a beer culture that are more into the crap brew scene and not the making brew? So kind of both. I've, I'm pretty good friends with some guys in my homebrew club and uh, usually on, I'll hang out with them when they're brewing or vice versa and uh, usually bring over some beers and they'll crack open some beers that they've traded for and I've traded for or whatever. And um, then I also... I'll, I'll usually hook my uh, my boss up because he's actually a home brewer in our club. Also, okay, nice. I got him into brewing a couple years ago, <clears throat> and uh, he, a job security. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just keep feeding him good beer and <laughs> keep me around. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about like. So here's the thing. So I just I just started dating this woman, right? Mm-hmm. And Jason is no longer single. I think. That's too bad. Well, okay, like we're not like Facebook official or well, I just, anything like that. Oh, well, I just want to point out. It doesn't that we, say on my Facebook in a relationship. We called we called you out as single on an episode that hasn't aired yet. That's true. So sorry, and, guys. sorry, and I'm just I've been having to swat <laughs> women away by the droves. No, she her family's from Munster, right? Apparently, they live like a mile away from Three Floyds. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that's like, well, if this lasts, I should exploit that to go to Dark Lord Day. Oh yes. But then there's a part of me that's like, oh, you have so missed the boat on this. Like, because (laughs) I don't know, like, I'm in my 30s now, and, like, I enjoy drinking beer, but standing in lines is not my jam. Yeah. It's just like a hurry up and wait kind of thing. Yeah. Hurry up and get in the line and stand, and maybe you'll get to try some of their (laughs) released beer that they're, you know, giving out. Yeah. 
and then you stand in line to get the beers that your allotments. Yeah. That's usually pretty long also. Well, and then you, if you're <laughs> like, uh, there's a buddy of mine who used to do it every, every year or so. Uh, the last year he did it, I think he and his friends got kind of drunk, like you do, because you're waiting for beer. So yeah. what are you going to do? You're going to drink beer. Yeah. Uh, someone... Kager in the beer line. Is that okay? <laughs> the is, is there been a kager in the beer line? Uh, you can't bring a keg. Oh, that's yeah. Someone, someone stole his backpack <gasps> like after the fact. So he got his allotment of like his uh, Dark Lord and then his special Dark Lord. Mm-hmm. And then someone stole his backpack that had both those beers and his wallet. Oh, man. And he's like, I don't think I'm ever going to go back. But there's still there's a part of me that's like I don't want that to happen. Yeah, don't set your backpack down and walk away. Yeah. <laughs> that's awful, man. Like of all the places, like oh, a dude, beer man. line has more opportunists. I mean, I feel like what's the ratio of people in a beer line who would steal your backpack compared to the rest of the world? Mm, uh, I don't because, maybe there because like so I went to Dark Lord Day this last year and I sold okay. my variant there for 160 bucks, which is okay. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, you think about that. It's just one bomber for one hundred and sixty dollars. And like, wait, what's so the price? people are probably thinking in the back of their mind, like, oh, if I could just grab a couple, right? I can sell these things for you know one hundred fifty, two hundred bucks a piece. Yeah, and I can buy a, a new brewing equipment or whatever the yeah. hell they care about. Unfortunately, that's the world we live in. Yeah, it's different. I think because you're dealing with. If it were just homebrewers in the line, this is me. Shout out to the community. If it's just homebrewers in the line, you're probably fine. Yeah, but these are not just homebrews. These are these are these are beer snobs. Yes. Oh yes. And that's fine, I guess. I don't Which know. is fine. So when you guys are like trading, I presume some of the trading happens like through mail. Are there like yeah. are there like shipping and packaging agreements? Like, hey, we're going to ship this cold, or is it less uh, less like regulated than that between the community? Um, it just kind of depends on what you set up with the other guy. Usually, you'll kind of have like. All right, so trading this beer for this beer, and like I've actually traded a Dark Lord, and uh, the guy's like, "I'll give you an extra ten bucks to buy a couple ice packs and throw them in there too." I was like, "All right, that's fair, whatever." The time you get it in two days, that ice pack will probably be melted, but mm-hmm. maybe it'll help keep anything from happening for another day. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but so yeah, usually it's just kind of a unsigned agreement of this for this, and usually it just I just send it two days. Sure. Yeah. To limit the amount of time that it's in in transit. Right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's the what's the best beer that you you've consumed on account of this trade? What should we be trading for? Man, I've had a, I've had a lot of fantastic treehouse beers, and uh, I think maybe because people in the uh, hazy game or mm. hazy IPA trend put it on such a high pedestal. Sure. And when I first tried Julius, I was like, man, this is a fantastic beer, but like people have like really put this on a high pedestal, and uh, that's kind of like one of their OG New England IPAs. But I've tried a lot of really good ones from them. Um, yeah, they just—they haven't really changed my life because I brew beer. Mm. But it's helped me shape my New England IPAs per All se. Right. You know, I do. I I feel a little bad because I feel like the first few episodes that we did, the first seven, the first seven <laughs> episodes. Well, well, so, uh, there's a certain percentage. It's a fairly high percentage of haze beers we've drank. We've have we have drunken. I don't know. English is a weird language. The, we've put a number of haze beers on the show in mm-hmm. our bodies, through our mouths, mm-hmm. and a preposition train is yeah, going nowhere, Jason. I well, I feel like I spent the first couple episodes like really shitting on haze beers and then enjoying every fucking one. Yeah, that we've had to drink. They don't change your life or anything. I mean, they're it's just something different, and 
it's hard for us to get them here that I think, you know, yeah. what they really should taste like because we're in Indiana after all. Yeah. Uh, is there anybody in town that you think, like, if you're saying, hey, you're going to go to Indiana Brewery and get a hazy beer, like, what, where are you going? Hey, you know what? Actually, just recently I went to Deviate Brewing, and I was actually pretty okay. impressed with yeah. their beers. I've never been there before until we went to a club meeting there recently. Yeah, we had the uh, – we rolled for the Mash of Wonder homebrew competition. Yeah, I was, I was pretty impressed with their beer, man. <laughs> I really was. Is that that's the tiny one over by like uh, Hoosier Heights, right? Right, like it's like an eight, Michigan, ninety six in yeah. Michigan. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things, and those people that uh, the people that run the brewery are apparently friends of friends of mine, and just supposed to be like the nicest people. Yeah, they dove right in straight from home brewing, man. Yeah, and they're killing it. They uh, they do a lot of weird stuff. They don't. It's fun. Yeah, they like they don't have that many consistent beer, like consistent, like they're putting it out all the time yeah but they're constantly making good weird beer yeah i've been there a couple times i've never had a a bad beer there i Mm -hmm. ordered their brown lager first at that at that homebrew club meeting where we rolled for mash of wonder and i had two more because i didn't want to have anything else because it was (laughs) it was it was really good so i think it was called back to basics uh from deviate brewing so but let's talk a little bit about the mash of wonder competition coming up so the circle city zymergy which uh john is a member of and i uh we are a member of as well hosts a Mash of Wonder competition where the winner gets to brew at DV8. Uh, so that's pretty cool. But the idea is you roll dice for your ingredients. So, John, how did the roll not, go? Hold how, on. Not just a dice. The nerdiest of dice. 20, 20 sided dice. A dodecahedron. Uh, Dode, I, I didn't even know what that was called. That well, was awesome. now you know it's a dodecahedron. Dodecahedron. Yeah. yeah the did nerdiest, you make that up? Huh? Did you make that up? I d- uh, no. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go down a nerd rabbit hole. There's actually a Super Mario World speedrunner whose handle <laughs> is Dodecahedron. Uh, and I looked up. Okay, so I did look it up based on his name. I was like, what the hell does that mean? It's twenty sided uh, die. I mean, a dodecahedron is technically a 20-sided Anything. 3D object. Yeah. If it's numbered 1 to 20 in the size... <laughs> then it's also a die. Then it's a die, and you can yeah, roll it. So, fantastic. Dodecahedron, the... The nerdiest, the king of the nerd die. The king of the nerd die described by the king of the nerds. Thank you, <laughs> Google it. So, John, how did you? How do you think your role went? First of all, do you do you? Uh, I'm going to read your ingredients. I brought okay. them up so so our listeners can figure out. We'll do this. Actually, we'll take some time to talk about what uh, I'm going to brew, what Jason's going to brew, and what John's going to brew. Mm. Uh, but let's start with John. John, you or you rolled Dingaman's aromatic as your base malt. Congratulations. Awful. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Wireman Beach smoked malt. All right, it's yeah, they seem in. like they go together real well already. All right, and then actually, uh, in in your hops world, your hops were not too bad. Cryo Yukonat, Amarillo, and Sirachi Ace, and then you're also gonna mm, brew Sirachi. that up with some Paradise Seeds, Jackfruit, and Pineapple. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, I, have you had a Jackfruit yet? I There's, apparently, if you cook them, it's supposed to taste like. Uh, like pulled pork. <laughs> Here's the thing. It, it is, doesn't. I've tried it. Okay. Th- good. And this this is gonna get real funny when we get to my my brewing stuff. So I'm a vegetarian, and I so like everyone's like, oh, you should eat jackfruit. Jackfruit's mi-. it fucking sucks. Yeah. It's tastes. It, I mean, it tastes. Ah, we don't need to talk about it. I'm gonna pull flack from. I've people. got some ideas of what I'm gonna. I I really need to taste it first to see because I've heard like it can give some. You know bubble gum or like Ooh. pineapple or kind of that kind of flavor real yeah. mild flavor so i'm like oh that can go well because i did get a pineapple right i rolled for pineapple which 
you know, could work well with each other. And actually with that Amarillo, it, it could blend really well. But uh, I think the the worst thing I rolled was that aromatic base malt because and you have to how use, could you ever use that as a base malt? You have to use 51% that. of the base malt that yeah, you Yeah, so it's not like I could just use like, you know, a couple ounces or a pound like you would in, you know, some recipes. So I'm going to have this super dark colored <laughs> <laughs> random flavored hoppy fruity beer makes no sense at all. Well, so. <laughs> I I luckily on the other hand rolled a much a much better roll. The only the only issue I have with my roll, which I'll just I'll describe in just a second is the only hops I have to use are nugget hops. Um which I I I feel like it's just going to be bittering to balance to sweet. Uh, but I'm going with Munton's Maris Otter Malt, which is a nice base malt. Fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, and then a Great Western Caramel Steam Malt. Uh, I know nothing about it. I know I have to special order it. And we'll pair that with a crisp brown malt. And then here's where it gets fun. Buckwheat honey, vanilla, cinnamon toast crunch, and molasses. Dude, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I feel like I just yeah. I roll I rolled a good beer. Like I, I, I it's going to be it's supposed the, to be this crazy mash of wonder yeah. and it's going to be I, I think it's going to be uh, the potential to be really good. It's going to be a super beer, hopefully. Yeah, there, uh, there's one beer uh, that I think I have a really trouble competing with. I'll, we'll talk about it a little later, but I think uh, uh, it's not. You don't have to compete with the beer; you got to compete with the brewer. Well, that's what I think. I think Jeremiah, who brews pretty well, I think mm-hmm. he. Have you looked at his role? No, he rolled like just a beer that I think he would make anyway. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up uh in just a second. I actually deleted his row from the spreadsheet so I could read our recipes really easy, but I'll, <laughs> I'll work it out. Um Jason, do you want to uh tell us what you're brewing with? Yeah, I got the uh base malt, uh Sugar Creek Munich malt. Good old Munich. Uh Warrior hops. Yeah, Santium hops. hops. I don't really know what that is. Uh I got some sparkling amber uh dark malt extract or sorry. Dry malt extract, DME, uh, citra hops, Y yeast twelve sixteen, thirteen eighteen, thirteen eighteen. Sorry, the computers are really far away from me. It's a uh, Y yeast. It's a London, uh, London yeast. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Uh, my adjunct is bacon. Sweet. What is what is the wild card? That's another yeast. Yeah, it's, a, it's actually that that's not going to be too bad. I think it's house yeast, Imperial House. That's their like super. Super clean yeast, so okay. you're basically brewing with brewing with that Y yeast London three, and the Imperial House is going to add nothing or remove nothing. Okay, perfect. Um, I, and yeah, I think that's it. So uh, the hops are a little bit like. Is there a percentage that we have to hit with the hops? Like we no, have to add so much? Okay. Not at all. So it seems like I'm making a bacon porter. I'm making a beer. I refuse. I'm not going to use. Well, I don't think I'm going to use... I might add ingredients. I don't think I'm going to remove any ingredients. I think I'm going to make a bacon porter. I've already been doing research, so I'm making a beer that at no point will I drink. And there's something about this idea (laughs) that I'm... vegetarian. Yeah, like I'm super obsessed with this idea of making... And hopefully it's good. I'll have no idea. I'll I'll taste it for you, Jason. Yeah, but I think uh, I'm going to keep the bacon in there. I might add some other stuff. Or I might, I don't know, I might change the hops out. I haven't really looked at, like, uh, I don't know, like, the stats off those off the top of my head. So I might change those out. But I think the 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 DME, sparkling amber DME, eh. Uh, I think the malt and the DME plus the bacon 
Yeah, yeah I mean, I think so. And there were saving throws, which we haven't really talked about. But but Jason can either choose you at the end uh, because we're we're nerds. We had a saving throw, so one <laughs> give you shit results, and twenty gave you amazing results. Um, Jason uh, is able to add four ingredients or add two and remove one. We know he's going to add four because he's not removing bacon. So, and then <laughs> jo- John and I actually lucked out because we didn't roll a yeast, which means we get to pick the yeast that goes with our beer because we were both able to add ingredients through our saving throws, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, I want to go through, I'll read Jeremiah's recipe real quick, and then we can talk a little bit about uh, the competition in general. So, Jeremiah Tyson, uh, who's a member of Circle City Zymergy as well, and I believe is coming on the show uh, in an upcoming episode. He's got Great Western Northwest Pale, uh, Simpson's Golden Naked Oats, uh, Wireman Kara Amber, and then he's got Polaris Hops, Citra Hops, Coffee, Lactose, and Pacific Ale Yeast. Oh, man. Like That's like almost like the beer I had last night. Tired hands beer. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's exactly. I mean, he, like he's got lactose, and that's kind of his jam anyway. IPA. So I think I, I think uh, that's going to be a tough beer to beat, especially because he's a, a reasonably good brewer. He usually wins awards at the competitions, etc. Yeah, he brews some fantastic beers. Yeah. So shout out to Jeremiah, who will be on the show. I think uh, next episode. Oh, cool. Hi, Jerry. Yeah, Jer- Jerry. Yeah. Uh, it's too late. I just mispronounced your name, but now that's. I'm pretty what sure I'm he goes by you. Jerry. Jason. He oh. does. Yeah, he goes by Jerry. Jason. I totally knew that, 100%. So uh, let's talk about competitions a little bit, because you brew uh, in other competitions that aren't crazy uh, nerd dodecahedron-based competitions. Uh, so first of all, how do you feel about this competition in general? Uh, so last year I did this competition, and uh, <clears throat> I basically rolled a, a hoppy amber ale. Okay. So that's what I made. And then the judges were like, it's too hoppy. I was like, dude, it's like not hoppy really at all. It's just I got an amber ale with like, you know, some citra flavored hops, right? Zaka, I think, is what it was. Okay, and I was like, oh, I, I, I would try that. Yeah, are these? It, it was okay, but are, do these beers are these still getting judged by category? Like, if you label it a category, no, okay, no, this it's, is all it's like, all going in a um, like a specialty. I think it's experimental beer. Experimental, yeah. okay, yeah. So last year we kind of got screwed. I, well, I should say I kind of got screwed because my ingredients weren't crazy enough, so they didn't think it was mind blowing. They kind of gave. I think they give people like a slight edge if they roll like really crappy ingredients mm. and they made something really great. Like Steve Kent, he he won, right? He rolled he rolled like marjoram and like basil, <laughs> and, like basil and uh, some other weird. Um, I think he had spice, and he made a spice saison, and it was super fantastic. Right, and he ended up winning. <laughs> That's that. I mean, I, I kind of wish I could try that beer. I know there's probably none left, and I can't. It was ima- weird, man, but it was good. I, what I can't imagine he's brewing it again. Like, what does that do to the beer? Nah, I couldn't even tell you, man. I don't know <laughs> that. <laughs> what I wonder, like, like this is my first ever competition, uh, and then obviously my first match of wonder. And I was wondering, like, how, like, if it was frowned upon or not frowned upon. Like, some people rolled like two yeast, like Jason. Yeah. And I was like, well, what if you just cold crash? And then pitch your second yeast, so it just flocks straight to the bottom, and you don't have like might just give you some random flavors. Yeah, or I mean, I, I mean, ideally, if you cold enough, it might just go straight to the bottom and give you nothing. Well, some people actually do that with um, certain beers. Like I've heard of people like you know making saisons or something that has like a strong phenol or something aspect okay. to it, and uh, they'll use one of them to ferment most of it out and then they'll pitch the other yeast in there so it's not like super strong of that or something. Oh, like so the, you can like kind cut of stagger like it and use it to your advantage if you want. Yeah. Okay. And Jason Jason has that house yeast as the second yeast so that could be kind of interesting. Mm. Yeah, house yeast is totally awesome. <laughs> yeah. 
so I'm thinking about this this bacon thing, right? And that's that's like a weird. So what do you guys? How do you feel about this? I've been doing a little research, and I think what I'm gonna do is soak it in uh, whiskey. Yeah. Um, and then strain. Well, okay, soak it in whiskey. Throw it in the freezer or maybe the fridge. I'm not sure. It depends on how cold. So that I can scrape the shit off the top. Like, so make bacon, sort of crunch it up, throw it in the whiskey, soak it for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, let the fat go to the top and then sort of solidify mm-hmm. uh, because the whiskey's not going to freeze. And then scrape that off and that will be what I actually add to... The, the fat? No, not or the, the fat. The, the whiskey. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the okay. whiskey with the bacon. I might strain the bacon out, but the whiskey... Having like had a, the bacon like, soaked like, in like it. Like a bacon tincture. Yeah, like a yeah. bacon tincture. Like, add that in there. And maybe for one of my added ingredients, some, like, I don't know, maple syrup? Or smoked malt. Smoked malt might be good. Smoked yeah. malt would be good. Because, I mean, you can get smoked bacon. And then that way you kind Apple of, smoke if your bacon tincture doesn't add the right flavors, then it's going to make the judge perceive the smokiness, and they might yeah. call that from the bacon or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, I like that. I like that idea. Maybe what you should do is make a split batch. Okay. <laughs> half bacon and half not bacon, so you could actually enjoy half of it. That's actually... Uh, and we have... <laughs> Since you don't eat bacon, and you probably refuse to eat it, because yeah. it's like one of the weirdest meats for a vegetarian to eat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let, let, think, let's make a list. Jason, what are the top three meats that you won't eat? Yeah. Uh, the ones that come off of animals, the ones that come off of people... Oh, and the ones that's kind of a weird one. Yeah, uh, uh, I the, mean, I'm glad you won't. Me, uh, and then the ones that uh, I can't think of a pun here. I'm just gonna go with. I don't generally eat. I'm basically an egg and cheese guy. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll eat eggs, eggs and, cheese. and cheese, which is oh, yeah. I had eggs and cheese this morning. Yeah, oh eggs God. and cheese. This should be breakfast burrito. Some of the eggs and cheese were not on the uh, list. We can't make an egg and cheese beer in this competition. Is egg, That's true. Is that a is that a viable adjunct like using egg? I don't know. I don't know. Why not? Well, we, I got aromatic as a baseball. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're when you're preparing for like a, a typical uh, competition where you get to pick your recipe, uh, what kind of goes into your decision as to what to brew and then how are you making that recipe? Like a regular competition or like this mash of wonder one? No, like a regular competition. Oh, so generally I just brew stuff that I that I really like. I mean, I kind of just start with that. So, like, the blueberry beer that I actually meddled on in the uh, Brewer's Cup here at the State Fair, I actually have been – I've been making that same recipe for the past about three years. Okay. And nice. I've gold medaled on that before. Not there, but a, a couple other competitions. But this is the first time I've used blueberries instead of raspberries. And I, I've kind of tweaked my, uh, my malt grain just a little bit. But okay. Yeah, so I generally will brew stuff that I – for one, that I'd be able to drink – because obviously I don't want to brew something to a style. It's like, you know, it's a small category. It's like, oh, I got a better chance of winning. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll brew stuff and generally it'll go into really tough categories and it sucks because I usually get pretty destroyed. Right. Well, that's <laughs> like, uh, like if you're, if you're just trying to metal, do you feel like there's categories that are better or worse? Or, and you think that changes by like, like location, like knowing who your competition oh, is yeah. in Indianapolis? So like, or? so like in the Midwest, we, we've got probably the strongest uh, stout game in the whole U.S. Mm. Oh, wow. So like, um, I don't know if you watched or saw any of the results for the National Homebrew Competition, but I watched it live at a buddy of mine's house, and almost all the stouts came from the Midwest that won gold, wow. golds and silvers and bronze, almost wow. all of them. And then like hoppy beers is kind of split but most of them i think were on the west coast and east coast okay yeah it's kind of strange like each region has like their 
beer. There's strength beer. Yeah. So really, if you're in Indiana entering a Midwest competition, brewing an IPA isn't the worst idea, even though it might be kind of crowded. <laughs> it's still a really tough category here, for right. sure. But, well, yeah. What I think we also have, I know in, in Circle City's Imergy, there's a couple guys that just brew beastly lagers, so you really can't yeah. even, you, you, you're going to have to bring it if you do that as well. Yeah, man. Good luck on trying to take home any medals with that. <laughs> with those, there's like three or four guys that brew incredible lagers in our brew club, and then there's another one, FBI, and they've got some serious strength brewers in, uh, in, in lager categories as well. Yeah, I've I've had a couple of those lagers that were award winning or or were, were close to being award winning. And yeah, I'm, they're good. Yeah, dude, they're better than any commercial beers usually. <laughs> yeah, so so for you, you talked about brewing kind of what you like to drink, and you you know you you won most recently with that uh, with that fruit beer. Is that typically your lane, or have you uh, entered you know competitions with with stouts or with IPAs or with other things that you like to drink? Yeah, so I, I I usually so like last year I think I put like seven beers in. Okay. This year I only did two, just mainly because I was pretty busy for the you know three months leading up to the Brewers Cup. Sure. But um yeah, so I I, I brew a lot of fruit beers. I, I do a lot of I try and do kind of a lot of weird fruity stuff. Not really that weird, I guess, but weird kind of to me. I'll I'll do a lot of like milkshakes and um, other types of fruit beers and adding fruit or you know adding random stuff i do use a lot of vanilla okay in, nice in a lot of stuff but yeah generally uh i think last year i had a belgian blonde uh, i had the raspberry wheat um i had a double ipa a regular ipa and um i think i had a i had two different types of stouts and uh they all got eaten alive <laughs> <laughs> well i mean eaten alive and drank are similar so that's good yeah <laughs> That's so, true. <laughs> uh, That's a good beer name, Eating Alive. Eating Alive, yeah. Don't Ooh, uh, shit, we're publishing. Down. You need to get that shit trademarked. <laughs> <laughs> the 32 people that listen to this podcast at this point probably uh, will rush to do that instead of <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm online right now. Yeah, boom, yeah. That's fake. No, he's not. Uh, <laughs> hey, they didn't know that. <laughs> oh, shit. I can maybe maybe take that out. I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> Have you had success in other categories besides the fruited beers, or is that just kind of your your lane where you've got the kind of? Um, so I've there's a there's a competition I I entered in. It was I think it was the very first one I ever did up in uh, the Chicago area, and I had like a Belgian blonde, the raspberry wheat, a Belgian triple. Okay. And I want to say there's a couple other beers in there, and I ended up taking two golds and a silver and a bronze home, and it like blew my mind because I was like, wow, it's the first time I've ever done a competition. This is great. And, uh, and then I didn't win another medal for like a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what but, do you know? But yeah, I've, uh, I, I, I think it's a lot of fun cause you get a lot of good feedback from, you know, some serious experts. Yeah. I think I'm pretty excited. You know, match of wonder we, we start, I basically, I wanted to do that one first when I heard about it. Cause I was like, Oh, it's a nice, fun, relaxed way to get into it. If I brew shit beer, it's like a, a you blame the die roll. I can blame actually, exactly. but I can't blame the die roll because I rolled pretty good dice. So now I have to, yeah. I have to make. You a should good be able beer. to brew something pretty, pretty unique. Yeah, I don't, I, it should be pretty interesting. So yeah, but I think it's 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 really excited. I'm really excited to start getting like better feedback other than your friends who just like look yeah. at you and smile and say this is the greatest beer I've ever had, mm-hmm. and then they you know don't finish it. <laughs> we were you so so you you brew a lot of fruit beers yeah um which is i don't necessarily uh we've only really done one and it was not aaron's favorite beer <laughs> in the world strawberry lager but you you oh. had kind of talked about um i liked it it was super dry and That's the straw it tasted of delicious delightful strawberries as it Honestly, aged it got a little sour yeah mm. um 
But you talked earlier uh, before the show about you started off brewing like meads, yeah, uh, and stuff like that. Like, how did you? So, what was your path getting into brewing? So, I used to be in a band with a guy, and um, he, I, like, literally, I, I didn't know he brewed beer or anything. And I showed mm-hmm. up one day to band practice in his apartment. And uh, I was like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm making some beer. I was like, what? Dude, you could do that? That's crazy. And uh, a couple weeks later, when it was finished and, you know, bottled and all that stuff, yeah. I, I tried it. And I was like, man, this is like one of the best beers I've ever had. He's like, nah, it's all right. I've made better ones. I'm like, dude, you're crazy. This is right, so good. This is good, yeah. And uh, kind of from that point on, which was probably about seven or so years ago, hmm. I, uh, I just kind of started really getting into it. And I, I just started making wines and meads like right off the bat. And I've made some pretty awful ones a lot, you know, a long time ago. My, my beers, I think are stronger than, than my meads and my wines were right because I've done so much more research and studying and I've learned a lot, but, um, man, I've made like 22% wines and I've made like damn really awful tasting meads <laughs> and I've, I've like scorched, uh, honey and like caramelize it down till it was black and made medieval kind of style meads. Oh. That was pretty awful. <laughs> but, so uh, you yeah. have, you, you kind of have a, a, a theme and a good story from you. You said your first beer or your first, sorry, wine was a 22% wine. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you had some interesting thoughts about that in the pre-show notes that I went through. So when we come back from the break, I want to talk more about that 22% wine and how much you loved it. Um, <laughs> and, and, and then also talk uh, a little bit more about, kind of the the research that you said you did in, in beer and how that's different from meat and wine and kind of like what your go-to sources are. So we'll talk about that when we come back from the break. And for the first ever time on Plato's Gravity, when we come back from the break, we are going to open a second beer. So get what? ready. What? What? As we come back from the break, we are having a damsel in distress. No. No. Let me start over. <laughs> well, no. No. And we're not cutting this out. No. I just, I was implying that like there was a woman being in distress in here and you were referring to a beer. I had a whole, uh, uh, so, <laughs> so, so the, so one, there is no woman in distress Two, this, this bottle, it is damsel in distress. And there's a whole narrative on the side of the <coughs> bottle. Very noir. She doesn't look like in distress. She's packing heat. She is packing, packing heat. <laughs> she's got some ink on her she's arm. She's going to kill somebody. I think yeah. she's a pirate. She's got a pirate thing on her arm. I also, as <laughs> someone who also has a pirate thing on my arm. Yeah, I got a pirate tattoo also. Fuck oh, yeah. Sweet. Yarr. Yarr. Nice, nice. Dude, did we just become best friends? We, I think so. Hey, so <laughs> what's a pirate's favorite letter? <laughs> Go ahead and tell me. Uh, you might think it's R, but uh, pirates be loving the sea. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. So Damsel in Distress is from the uh, Perrin Brewing Company. Um, it's a German Rogan beer aged in rum barrels. Uh, and I think we had a little bit of it before we came back from the break. And mm. I think, uh, we love the idea of it, but I don't know that I love it. It's okay. It is. Uh, it's, it's real, vin- it's real sweet. I mean, it's super heavy. Like it's what? It's like a 10, 10.4. I think uh, it says 10, e- 10, even on the 10 bottle, even. but you know, they put 10 even, you know, they don't really know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> That's it's ballpark. I mean, it's not. I guess I shouldn't say it's like super heavy, um, but it is. 
It's one of those, like, where were we at the other day? We were at a brewery that had just opened up. Happy? Oh, a happy Brewer? Yeah, yeah a Happy yeah. Brewer. And they had a beer. On 38th in Illinois? I think I've heard of it. Yeah. It's right by the, you ever go to the Melody Inn? <clears throat> we're getting into some local shit here, fellas. And, yeah, the And Melody women. Inn. Let's not be the, anyway. Uh, they had a beer on there that was, uh... It's called the Old Ale. Old Ale. And I think it was a barley wine? It was a barley wine. He had some, oh. uh, I think he had some honey in there. Or yeah. some, it was, uh, syrup, uh, maple syrup that he had in there. And it was, uh, when I drank it, originally I didn't like it, because, like, this is way too sweet. And then we start asking the brewer about it, and he's like, oh yeah, it's like 11% alcohol or something. <laughs> and I was like, I had, I had no idea. And I gained so much more respect for the beer, just knowing that, like... It was that heavy. It was real sweet. This kind of reminds me of it uh, in a way, but... I, I think this is actually better than that beer. Uh, I think this, well, the, the redeeming... <laughs> I said I didn't like it, and then I said it was better than that one. Sorry, happy brewer. Uh, <laughs> but I, I feel like this one being aged in rum barrels, I feel like you can definitely get that rum character. Like, it does yeah, have kind bit. of a... It, it does kind of taste... I think you up. get a little sweetness from that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it tastes like the aftertaste of a rum and coke a little bit, and I think that kind of... That that actually works with the sweetness, even though it's yeah, I, it's a little undercarbonated. I think if it were a little more sparkly, it, we'd have I a different taste opinion. Taste sweet either. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. If it were if it had more carbonation, I think we'd be we'd be singing a different tune about these uh, damsel in distress. But because it is a ten percent uh, by volume, uh, we might be singing tunes once we're done with it. So get ready for that. Oh, you guys, you guys don't want me to sing. That's bad, bad news. So before the break, we uh, we heard John talk about his twenty two percent wine, which I believe was the first wine you made when you started. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was one of the very first ones. It's the first distilled liquor. any type of alcohol, and I used uh yeah. So you you said you said about this beer, and I quote: "It was the worst alcoholic beverage I ever had, and I loved it." <laughs> I love the idea of it. Right. Uh, so. To me, that speaks to like a very experimental nature. Can you talk about how like loving the idea of something that doesn't taste good but is cool to you, like how that affects your brewing style? Yeah, so I I basically was really experimenting when I first started, and it was, I think it was somewhere about seven years ago. I was just ballparking, I don't know, just a shade under a decade, and uh, I had brewed a whole bunch of other stuff, and they came out really subpar, and then I was like, man, I just I just want to make something that'll get me really drunk. <laughs> and so uh, I, I kind of looked at, you know, different types of yeast, and I don't remember what I used. I used some sort of high-gravity yeast. <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> it says it could, it says it could you know, possibly keep up with 22% alcohol and still, you know, actively ferment. Wow. And uh, I was like, that's the yeast I'm using. So I did all the math, and I did all the gravity and everything, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, I think it finished at, like, 1.00 so it's super dry oh super super dry super hot tasted like jet fuel <laughs> and i think I, I think i threw like some orange peels in there or something which probably added to the pithiness that mm. probably didn't really make any sense at all because it was so strong and it was it was definitely one of the worst alcoholic drinks i've ever had but me and my roommate chugged through all the bottles we had no problem no problem so <laughs> have, have you have you tried to to Go big again, and like, what's your biggest beer that's been a success? Well, so I made a double IPA. I found like a Pliny the Elder clone. Okay, nice. A few years ago, and I think I upped the the gravity just a little bit. 
and I think it was like around 9%. And at first it was really overly hoppy, sure, overly bitter. And then two months later, still in the bottles, it conditioned really well, actually. It, like the hoppiness died down. That's the nice thing about the hops is if you, if you yeah. overshoot it on those beers, you just have to just wait. wait. Yeah. yeah. And so um, it actually turned out a pretty fantastic beer, kind, mildly fantastic. I actually entered that one in the Brewers' Cup last year, thinking it would get the worst score. And out of all my beers, it got like a thirty-six, and was the best one. <laughs> nice, nice. I mean, thirty-six, kind of not a bad beer, yeah. Yeah, this, no, it's usually a pretty, pretty decent beer if you get that score. This, this twenty-two percent is this like super dry wine. It's just, just out of yeah. curiosity, it is a red or a white. What the uh, wine? The one that I made? Yeah, it's purple. Uh, it was. It was more of a white-ish one. Okay. So basically, a I think 22% thing, rosé. Is that what we're getting at? <laughs> it was, I mean, it's basically just orange peel and maybe some cinnamon sticks. Okay. I think, I think was what it was. And okay. That's pretty much that and a whole bunch of table sugar. That hurts the back <laughs> of my mouth. That like yeah. s- orange peel and cinnamon sticks in a super oh, dry man. white 22% <laughs> wine. It was, an, it was a total experiment. I, I just wanted to see how far I could push it. I feel like we need to recreate this. Yeah. Maybe maybe not. If I had that today, I probably would pour it out. <laughs> you would not chug through it as no, you did in the past. It would be a drain pour for sure. Uh, we talked before the show a little bit about kind of your brewing setup. And, and one of the things that I think uh, you and I have in common is we, we I like fancy brewing equipment, but I also like not spending a ton on fancy brewing equipment. So can you talk oh, yeah. about like how to or, or like how you manage getting great beer out of, uh, out of equipment that doesn't cost an <laughs> arm and a leg? Um, so I kind of just did research and, and, you know, being kind of like a mechanic, I, I've pretty much always been too poor to pay somebody to fix something. Sure. So I've kind of always had like this, not really like handyman thing, but I guess I kind of have it in a sense. And so, uh, I made a mash ton for like 50 bucks. Uh, and it was like this big, uh, I think it was like a 10 gallon tamale steamer. And I just drilled a hole in the side, put a valve in it and then made a, um, a nice little filter and it, and it worked great. And I used it for like two years and I recently just actually made my own Kegel mash ton right, nice. with a sight glass and a couple false bottoms and a valve on it. And it's uh it's been treating me well so far. So I try and make everything if I can. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm pretty much feel like a baller on a budget kind of type deal. Nice. Where you just do all you can with as little money as you got. <laughs> so if you think about your setup, what's the piece of equipment that you feel like you uh, splurge the most on? Uh, it'd probably have to be that Kegel mash on. I probably got about 160 bucks into it nice, or so. Nice, nice. But... So yeah. and you so is that like a so you didn't get the uh, we we like to appreciate the fact that that cost you 160 bucks which means you didn't like steal a keg from somebody for the deposit so well done <laughs> no, well they might have stolen it but I bought it off somebody for like 30 bucks then <laughs> 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 I depressurized it cut the top off and drilled holes in it and that was that was a process <laughs> right and you have like a you said you you showed me pictures of it which we may be able to post uh, in the show notes yeah uh, the shows. The shots, uh, where you have like a double false bottom. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a three tiered filtration and, uh, it's got a dip tube that goes down through uh, a really strong false bottom. And then there's another supporting false bottom under there. It's kind of like a small cylinder shape. That's also uh, a nice filtration as well. Right. So we also talked about how you, uh, you're, you're kegging beer and <laughs> when you keg beer for competitions, you got to get that stuff into a bottle. So you have the, the Blickman beer gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I'm actually, this is really just gratuitous questioning on the show for me and Jason. Uh, <laughs> I hope the listeners care, but we're in the process of evaluating what product to buy to bottle our beer for competition as well. We don't have a, a beer gun or a counter uh, counter pressure filler yet. So you talked a little bit about some issues you have with the beer gun and some solutions you have. Can you share that with us? Yeah, so I have zero experience with anything else besides a beer gun, so I'm not okay. sure what else could possibly be better or worse. Sure. But um, I, I've heard some pretty good things about the beer gun, so I finally splurged and paid the 100 bucks for it or however much it was. And uh, <clears throat> I was actually telling you guys earlier that I had a Belgian Blonde, which was the best beer, best Belgian Blonde I've ever made by far. Hey-o. And I've won a gold medal on it before, and I was like, this is this might not place, but it should get a really good score. Right. And uh, I was getting ready for Brewers Cup, and I bottled a whole bunch of them, three for that, and I had an extra one to try it. And uh, a couple weeks before I signed up, I tried it, and it was f- complete, not completely flat, but it was like 30% carbonated. Wow. It tasted sweet because there's no carbonation. And I was like, oh, my God. Dude, it's kind of no like the damsel way. in distress. It's interesting that the yeah, Belgian blonde sure was they the had damsel in distress. A similar, a similar problem. <laughs> Probably the exact same problem is what I had in mind because, you know, you think of the headspace. Right. The CO2 is just pressurizing the rest of that until finally it probably equals out, and then mm. then you've lost CO2 carbonation. And so, um, actually, good friends of mine in the homebrew clubs like bump up that CO2 in your keg pressure for a couple of days, and then dial it back down to a couple psi, and, and then pour it down from there. So you're basically overcarbonating the beer, so you just don't have carbonation bit, yeah. loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you do that, when you overcarbonate the beer, so that you don't have, so you have the right carbonation in the bottle. Does that affect the beer in the keg as you're serving after you bottle? No, not at all, man. You just, I just blow it back as soon as I uh, bottle it. I just blow it off to back to where I was at serving, serving wise. And, sure. Yeah, and I think right around uh, twelve to fifteen percent is what I keep it at for a couple of days before, and then dial it down to a couple, two or four percent, and then fill it from there. Okay, sweet. Yeah, because yeah. you're, when you're using the beer gun, you want it to be like around three or four psi. Yeah, you so want it to be really slow because then you'll lose even less, right? And it'll foam up less, right? I actually was talking to some guys from the Backstep Brewery in Crawfordville, Indiana, and they were talking about how they wanted they liked the beer gun, but they felt like it was good at preventing oxygen in your beer, but right. but not so great at at keeping carbonation from leaving. So mm-hmm. this is kind of a nice way to hack that and. Carbonation is yeah. still going to come out of the beer, but you're going to overcarbonate to compensate. That's that's pretty good stuff. Yeah, and you also could um, throw your bottles in like a fridge or a freezer before you bottle them too, and that'll help keep it from from foaming up as you're pouring it as well. So here's my question about that. I am probably overly interested in sanitation. I, I like I'm super mm-hmm. afraid. Like I basically I want to be the brewer that you know that's never gotten an infection. <laughs> I want to be that guy. I've, I'm good so far. I've never infected a beer. Jason has while I was with him, but that doesn't count. I don't know that that beer was infected. I Shut up. Yeah, it was bad. You're going to talk about it every freaking episode. No, I think we, we're doing basically every other episode. <laughs> it's fine, Jason. So uh, when you, so if you're chilling your bottles, are you sanitizing them? Yeah, yeah. Preach, you're sanitizing yeah. them, then chilling them, and then trusting that sanita- yep. that sanitizer to stay strong through the, fr- the cold? Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just praying that in my freezer there's nothing floating around that's ready to come back to life and... Because it's only it's only in there for a few minutes. Okay, so you're yeah. just so you're just literally putting there long enough to get them chill, chill so you can yeah. keep the temperature down. Mm-hmm. You're not like leaving them in there for like no. you know overnight or anything. like I that. I probably could buy some sort of or make something to where I can put them in upside down or something, but I don't know. Well, that seems like something you should make and sell. Uh, yeah, probably make four dollars each or something. <laughs> <laughs> and you could buy and you could buy multiple beer guns like and hundreds of millions, and I'll be I'll be rich. Yeah, absolutely. This 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 beer we're drinking. So I'm just looking at it, and there there's something floating in the water. And I'm wondering, you guys think this was bottle conditioner? What do you think that is? 
Um, well, I don't know. Let me see this bottle. Here. Yeah, let's actually just pour. We have the bottle. Let's pour the dregs into somebody's glass and see what happens. Let me finish my beer first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was. It's. I'm wondering what the, like. Because usually you'll have a nice yeast cake on the bottom. Whatever it is, like it's finishing. pretty strong in solution. Like it's just hanging out in the beer. It's just ah. probably proteins and yeah. whatnot. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I agree. I don't think it's bottle conditioned. Mm. Well, that got disappointing. Well, I mean, I think if it were bottle conditioned, yeah, uh, it would be carbonated. Be. <laughs> it'd be carbonated better. <laughs> Touche. I mean, I guess if it's aged in 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 barrels and they don't. Uh, and they don't add yeast when they bottle condition. That could that could fuck you up. Yeah. If if the yeast is all dead and gone. Oh yeah, know. that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Uh, so we talked in, earlier in the show a little bit about the uh, the tired hands beer uh, mm-hmm. that you that you brought to us. Uh, but recently you went out. You, you said you're you're you have some family out in Pennsylvania. Yep. Recently you went on a trip to New York and Pennsylvania and drank some interesting <laughs> beer. Can you talk a little bit about your your beer trip? Yeah. So um, we kind of just. It wasn't really a beer trip. It was more of a family visiting trip. I, I kind of have like this thing in the back of my mind where I have to research where we're going, if mm. it, especially if it's, you know, there's new breweries popping up. It's like we got to go to at least one brewery in every stop. Yeah. And so um, Tired Hands is always on the list for me because my mom lives just under an hour from, from the brewery. And that place is – they got some really great beers on tap. And if you really like Saisons or uh, Hop Forward beers, there they do some really good work. And so we I like we go Frankie there. Valley in the four what? saisons. <laughs> Never heard of there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so uh, I go out there and uh me and my wife actually drive in from there in Pennsylvania. We visited my mom and then on our trip back up to go up to New York to visit her family. We stopped by Tired Hands kind of on the way. It was almost on the way. We kind of made it on the way and uh tried a flight of beers and we got two uh basically half bombers. Okay. And brought them back. And then a couple of uh, couple of four packs also, and then um, then we got up to New York. They're in Syracuse, which is upstate New York, so that's mm-hmm. a nice little drive through mountains and all that. And then we got there, and we had nothing to do one day, so we went to uh, we went to another brewery in um, kind of the downtown area called Middle Ages. Okay, and uh, it was a pretty interesting place. They've got beer everywhere in New York, and all of the you know pro sports teams and all that stuff there, or amateur pro sports and and, uh, so I'd be pretty disappointed if a brewery called Middle Ages didn't have a certain look to it. Can you talk about what that place was like? Oh, yeah. So you, you walk in, and, and the building's just kind of like a normal industrial building. Sure. And then you come up to the door, and uh, it's this giant wooden door that you'd see on, like, the front of a castle. And it's got, like, uh, kind of like a gate where the window is on the door. And then if you open the door, you could slide the little window open to to get the secret password. <laughs> nice. Close it and let them in. <laughs> and then you walk in, and there's just like tons of old school looking uh, wooden tables that look like they're from the medieval times. And they've got a couple random like uh, heads on the wall. It looks like it's from Dungeons and Dragons. There's like a dragon on one side, and then uh, a uh, medieval kind of knight armor head on another mm. one. And they're, uh, they're it's a pretty neat place, and they got some pretty decent beer. It was it was a nice little time to just. Wind down. That place seems pretty badass. I feel like when they go to do their next expansion, they really have to evaluate whether they need to add another fermenter or a moat. <laughs> have we? They, like, shouldn't they have a moat? 
Probably. Yeah, I mean, if they Why have... Not? Yeah, I would have a moat if like I had... maybe the bathroom urinal could be a moat. Oh, now you're onto something that right there. That sweet. Have, yeah. we, have we talked about the Herat on the show before? I don't think we have. I don't know what that is, Jason. Okay, so there's this bar. It's up in uh, Muncie, Indiana, which is about an hour, 20 minutes, hour and a half north of here. It's the only redeeming thing. And I, I went to college in Muncie. Like, I, I used to live in Muncie. It is the only redeeming thing about Muncie, Indiana, is the Herat. <laughs> And it's this bar that back before, like, there was Hopcat or there were these bars that are like, we have 100 beers on tap. There's just this, like, beer nerd who runs this bar who has hundreds of beers on tap and not, like, anything exciting. And we're talking, like, back before, like, the microbrew craze really took off. He just had all these beers on tap. And it's a, like, a medieval Viking-themed bar. (laughs) And he's only – it's only loosely related to brewing in that – I'm trying to think. It's either Upland or Barley Island, uh, and I can't remember which one. I'm going to say it's Upland, which is a brewery out of Bloomington. Are you sure it's not Dogfish Head? I am positive it's <laughs> not Dogfish Head because there's no fish involved. There are dogs involved. No fish. <laughs> there was a <laughs> there was a, a beer called Ardri, which in the Irish Gaelic means High King. It's the person who used to rule rule over Ireland back in uh, ancient Irish times. Um, they had a beer called Ard Ree, and it was this guy who ran the Herat um, with his two Irish wolfhounds on like the box for the beer. Hmm. And it's one of my. That's the only connection to actually brewing because I don't think that they actually brew at the Herat at all. They're just. He's just a giant beer nerd. It's an amazing bar with like you can just find Dungeons and Dragons books and like <laughs> shit like laying around and uh, you can go upstairs some nights and they're like they'll show weird like horror sexploitation films. It's a wholesome, it's a weird wholesome. wholesome place, but if you're ever in Indiana and you're ever passing through Muncie and you have to stop, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But if you're there anyway, just uh, shout out to the Harat. The Haru, I think, is actually the Gaelic pronunciation. I I feel like normally when we get, like, talking too much about, like, hardcore beer stuff and techie stuff and things like that, where I feel like, you know, new brewers might be, like, disconnecting with the show, that's when I ask Jason for an off-the-wall question. (laughs) But I feel like this is a good spot, too. Like, we were talking about weird bars in Muncie, Indiana. So I feel like let's just take the flow in. And, Jason, let's go for your segment, the -the off-the-wall question. So... You're in a forest, right? And you're yeah. looking around, and there's a fairy flying above your head. Oh. And the fairy says to you, if you do not clap, I will die. Like Peter Pan, you know how oh. like the fairy, like yeah. she, you don't believe in her. She fucking dies like a goddamn ass, like a, like a piece of shit that just dies mm-hmm. when you don't believe in her, which is dumb because she should believe in herself. But she doesn't. So if you don't believe in her, she just dies. So the fairy's flying around. She's like, believe in me. And you're like, eh, right? And Mm -hmm. then you just keep walking on uh, into the forest. And you see this mushroom, right? Mm, It's like a red cap mushroom. It's got white spots on the cap. It's like, do, do, Screaming, do not eat. Maybe. (laughs) Okay. But here's the thing. It makes you grow. So the mushroom, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. You... You see the mushroom, it screams, do not eat me. It literally screams. It grows a mouth and it screams at you. And the fairy's still there like, believe in me. And you're like, fuck you. And you smack it. Okay? <laughs> and you eat the mushroom. What happens? Well, I'd say if I've already seen the fairy, I'm probably already possibly on psychedelic mushrooms. And so uh, it's probably going to 
it's probably not going to feel good for the first few minutes because it's probably <laughs> not supposed to be eaten. But I'd say after that, I'd probably really start believing in everything. <laughs> <laughs> you would see the world. I'd probably start clapping for hours and <laughs> trees would start moving and <laughs> everything would look like some clay animation. I, I think the the more the the end of the story is uh, the fairy survives uh, because then you believe in everything. I think that's good. Yeah, that's very. It turned out to be a very wholesome, very wholesome story. I like was, to think positive. It was a wholesome story, like uh, grade A milk. Although, <laughs> if you're a fairy out there and you don't believe in yourself, fucking do it because fuck you. Perfect, perfect. That's fantastic. So, All right. That goes for everyone that's not a fairy, too. Just everyone believe in yourselves. So uh, let's just drive right back into brewing. <laughs> I like to ask, uh, occasionally, one of our uh, more regular questions on the show um, is, if you had to lose a piece of your brewing setup, like what piece oh. of brewing equipment would you least like to lose? Would I least like to lose? Like if someone was like, okay, you can make me a beer, but I'm going to take this away from you. Which What thing would make you the most pissed off if they did that? Oh, man. Um, dude, it would for sure have to be either my fridge or my freezer. All right, so temperature control is big. Yeah, dude, big time. Yeah. I'd, I'd be pretty, pretty ticked off. Um, that's so. Are you? Are you? Do you bring lots of lagers, or, just, or do you feel like you just get much more consistency when you're able to even put like an ale like straight at sixty eight or something like that? Yeah, yeah. It's it's more just a temperature temperature control at all. I don't like. I've never brewed a lager, and uh, I've never really brewed anything that needs to be in that lager range, but um. Yeah, keeping stuff, you know, in the 60s while I'm fermenting is, has, has helped out a lot. Because when I first started brewing and submitting all these beers into uh, competitions, almost every single person was like, watch your temperature fermentation. Watch your temp right. ferment. I'm like, how do they even know that? I don't have one. It's amazing. <laughs> I hate the, BGC, the BJCP. Why the fuck do they teach these people yeah. this? They're, and that's the reason why I started putting beers in so I could figure out how to make better beer. And they've doing them has made me a much better brewer. That's awesome. Around. So I'd hate to lose my, my really my, I would say probably my regular stand-up fridge because it's got kegs in it and beer in it that's already finished. And right, and then you're losing not only the beer you're making, but the beer you've got ready to go. That's That seems like yeah. a travesty. Yeah. So we have uh, a friend of the show, Tim McEwen, who was on our, our fourth episode with... Um, Hi, Tim. Uh, with Danny Linehan. They are from <laughs> Bedford, England, which is a, a fun place that we've never been to. Uh, he has the, the question for the show, and it's a little bit about brewing equipment. He's uh, just getting into milling his own grain, so he wanted to know if uh, one of the three of us has a recommendation for the size and granularity of the mill. Like, what setting do you use for your mill? Well, I don't have a mill. Oh, this is a fail of a question because we don't have one either. Hey, Tim, suck it. But uh, Eat so I've got or I got a little bit to talk about a mill though because do it. So normally I just buy my stuff from a local homebrew shop called Great Fermentations here in town, and mm-hmm. uh, absolutely, and I actually uh, got some grains from a buddy of mine that works for Sugar Creek. Okay, <clears throat> and uh, I took it to another guy's friends that's in my homebrew club. Our president actually Jerry, and uh, he's got his own mill, and we milled it up. And he he asked me, he's like, so what's normally your efficiency? Whenever you're, you know, getting all your sugars off, I was like, I run 70%. He's like, all right, well, I'll be curious to see what you get because mine's, mine's gone up to like 82%. I was like, oh my God, dude, that's like almost unheard of. Yeah. For the most part. At a homebrew scale, for sure. And so I think my recipe was a blend of like five pounds of what I use there and five pounds of Marisotter that I already had from great fermentations. Sure. And and then like a few pounds of oats. And, uh, 
normally I set my when I do my calculators and stuff. I usually keep my uh, my attenuate or uh, my uh, efficiency around seventy or seventy two percent, so I could be pretty close to what sure. you know my gravity should be. And uh, I was supposed to brew a it's it's basically a cherry milkshake that I've got. It's just about done. And it was supposed to be like a session, like four, four and a half percent. Yeah. And uh, it's going to end up like five and a half percent because I got like 84% attenuation or uh, efficiency. And, yeah. And awesome. I texted him. I was like, dude, I need to buy one of these so bad. So that's the, that's the next piece is the mill. Yeah. yeah. So like he, I think because he, he had just a slightly finer grain uh, crush than what I get normally from great fermentations. And uh, I think just get a little bit more efficiency out of that from that. All right, so Tim, the answer is a little finer than what you think you need. <laughs> well, and I think uh, uh, going back to one time, um, I'm trying to think, when we started doing Biab, when we started brewing in a bag, there was a time Aaron went to get uh, grain from a brew store, and the particular uh, gentleman in question at the brew store would not grind the grain Twice. exactly how yeah would not he double does, grind he, the grain. He, he doesn't work there anymore it was great fermentations and they let that i don't know why he doesn't work there anymore they might have let him go or he left or whatever but i, I have good luck with them now they'll do whatever i ask i love great fermentation yeah, yeah so but i asked him to double crush it and he was like i'm just gonna crush it in the fine grain mill you know they had one that they had set for a little finer mm-hmm. uh, and i was like well can you just double crush it in that one and he was like no it'll get stuck and i'm like it's brewing a bag it can't get stuck <laughs> it's brewing a bag i can't i can't I can get just a, pull it right out i can't understand. get stuck in a for, like, it doesn't get stuck. If it got stuck, I fucked up. Like I put <laughs> I fifty pounds bag. of grain in an eight-gallon kettle. And that's you literally the, just can't pull it like, out. You just can't get it out. <laughs> then you don't have that's oatmeal, not a, beer. A whole new term of stuck. <laughs> <laughs> so no, but yeah, I think the the fi- I mean that's the issue is the finer you go, the more chances of a stuck for uh, of yeah. a stuck sparge. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, which is which is to say I believe Tim is on uh, uh, a uh, a sparge system where we're biab. Yeah, I think they're they're fly sparging. So yeah. so uh, what they I mean basically I think the the wisdom of the group, which may not be complete since none of us have a grain mill, is <laughs> as fine as you can get it without sticking your mash. And Good luck. Just experiment. Yeah. yeah, be ready to to waste one in the name of great efficiency. Mm. Or, in my opinion. You can just do it a little thicker, get consistent, lower efficiency, and buy more grain because you're only making five gallons at a time. It's going to cost you like three bucks. <laughs> so that's that's what that, that's all I got there. So the other thing we wanted to cover that you mentioned just before we went on break is that for wine and mead you just made twenty two percent fusel shit, <laughs> but for beer you did some uh, you did some research. I presume you've done some research on wine and mead since then. But for beer you've done bit. a lot more research. What are uh, what are the things that have really helped you the most? Are there books or podcasts or or shows or communities that have really helped uh, you out? Yeah, so I'd probably say community was the starting point. Um, that you know, Circle City Zymergy joining that group and you know some going to meetings and talking to people mm-hmm. that's helped out quite a bit that and um actually entering beer in a beer comp homebrew competition okay. helped me awesome. out a lot and i mean I, i've read a few books also about water profiles and uh you know malting and and all that stuff too but um just just a lot of research man and, and a ton of trial and error so we, Circles of Zymergy, the homebrew club that we were a part of, was uh, I think three or four years old. Were you? Uh, yeah. Did you join from the beginning or a little later than no, that? No, no. I've, I've I think I've been in the club for a little over a year, year and a half. Or okay, something nice. Like that, maybe. This is it your first homebrew club? Yeah. All right, yeah. sweet. I'm mine too. Yeah. When uh, we're when we're talking about water, I always like to get a feel for like what are you using? Uh, are you using like 
purified water or using water out of the tap? Yeah, so um, some people actually get water ports from their house from their tap, and mm. they'll they'll blend that in, you know, distilled or or reverse osmosis water. Mm. And uh, I I don't do that. I actually just buy a uh, distilled water or okay. reverse osmosis water, and I just build my water profile from there. For, okay, for every beer. Yeah, yeah. sweet. You use uh, you use like Beersmith or what are you using? Um, for water profiling, I think I use Brewer's Friend. Okay, nice. It's, it's worked pretty well for me, so it's like, don't if it's not broken, don't fix it. Right. I do absolutely. have Beersmith. Right. Yeah. And then um, I, I use that sometimes, and uh, actually my brother has a an app called BrewCloud for a phone. Right. And uh, he, he I kind of helped him make it. Well, he made it, but I just told him what needed to be there. Sure. <laughs> and uh, so I use that, and I could store all my recipes in there and... Okay, sweet. Play around nice. to see what, you know, Brew Cloud. I, I, gonna be. I, they've sent me stuff on social media and I've downloaded it Are and played really? with it. Yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah. So he's done a ton of, um, total segue here, but he's done a lot of stuff to, to amp it up because, like, you know, we've got Beer Smith and I'm like, dude, you got to have this. You got to have this. Yeah. You got to have that. And, uh, it's just pretty much time putting into it because obviously he's doing it 100% for free. Right. So, you know, he's got his regular business on the side and, uh, yeah, it's it's come a long way. It's pretty cool. Sweet, I'll, I'll have to check it out. When I first yeah. when I first looked at it, it was a little a little. I mean, it didn't do as much as Beersmith, so I no. stuck with Beersmith. But I might uh, check back into it's, it. It's given Beersmith a close run for its money now. Sweet. I mean, if you can do if you can do it easier than Beersmith, then like I'm all a hundred percent on board with that. Yeah, it's a little more user friendly than Beersmith. It's hard. Beersmith is like an Excel spreadsheet. It seems yeah. like it's like. They could make this look better, at least. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah. I haven't looked at. Uh, I've heard good reports about Beersmith Three, the new one, but I haven't looked at it yet. Oh, really? I, I have two, and uh, I mean it. It's great. It's a great program. You know, I, I can't knock it, even though it looks like an Excel spread file. Yeah, yeah. But they. Uh, but he's also. I mean, to be fair, Brad Smith's a one man show as well. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but I will say, BrewCloud looks like a software made in 2018, and yeah. Beersmith <laughs> does look. 2004. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Brad. I say sorry, Brad, like we know him. I don't, I don't know Brad, but I do. We love you, Brad. I, I feel mm, like I do know him. I've, I've listened to every episode of his Beersmith homebrew, uh, home beer, his podcast. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> his podcast. His podcast. Beersmith uh, Beer and Homebrewing Podcast. Uh, so I, I feel like I do know Brad, and, and maybe one day Brad will come on the show. We'll see. Uh, excellent. So we are gonna we're gonna wrap up. Do you have any uh, any parting shots for our listeners, Sean? Uh, no. Just uh, if you're interested in brewing, you should get into it. Find a local homebrew shop, and uh, they they're a wealth of knowledge. Generally, um, our one here in Indian, Indianapolis is they've got some really great people that work there, and mm. um, it's it's a lot of fun. And if you like drinking good beer, then and you can follow a recipe to make food, and it comes out okay. Chances are you can make good beer. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. As we wrap up, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, you can connect with our guest, John, at Facebook on The John Edwards uh, or on Instagram at Flight Brothers Brewing. And you can find out more about Circle City Zymergy at CircleCityZymergy.com. Check the shouts for links to their Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram accounts. Shouts. We would absolutely love to answer your question on the next podcast. If you have a question about brewing or just want to know what Jason's real secret is, hit us up by email. We are at podcast at platosgravity.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram and untapped at Plato's Gravity. How dare you volunteer my secret? If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. In the meantime, <laughs> trade some beer, brew some beer, and have some fun. <laughs>